Welcome to the Individual Matters podcast and video series, where we're focused on learning about learning. I'm your host, Andrew Caton, and I'm joined by my co-host and wife, Dr. Katrina Caton, licensed psychologist, educator, and author. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We're continuing our series on executive functioning. Today, we'll talk about rewards and reinforcers. This is the fourth R in our 5R solutions for everyday living. Just to recap, executive functioning includes the get-it-done skills for life. These include things like activation, organization and planning, working memory, self-control and focus, cognitive flexibility, as well as the final lap. In previous episodes, we took a look at reframing and redefining, then reducing, and then rhythm and routine. Let's take a look now at rewards and reinforcers. Where would you like to start today? Yeah, so for this one, I kind of want to start by just acknowledging that uh, when this aspect comes up, it's typically the one that I feel like I get the most pushback or sort of maybe a better way to describe it would be that immediate emotional response that, whoa, wait a minute, I am not going to pay my kid to do what is baseline expectation. And I think it's really more than that. And so I kind of want to start there talking about when we're doing reinforcers and rewards, what we're talking about is strengthening the behaviors that we want, as opposed to eliminating behaviors that we don't want. And the research is very clear. Positive reinforcement or using positive reinforcement to strengthen desired behaviors always wins out over punishment or negative consequences. So that's really what we're talking about here is reinforcers and rewards are used to strengthen desired behavior. And we'll get into it because reinforcers come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and forms. But the idea is that it increases that desired behavior. So we're looking at helping kids develop skills for getting things done, setting goals, doing what they need to do to get ready for school or how to shift when they get home and all those kinds of things. So we're talking about ways to reinforce those behaviors that that we want, as well as to reward the behaviors. And you mentioned the difference between positive and negative reinforcement. Seems like the go-to in many people's minds is a negative reinforcement. Can you just explain quickly the difference between positive and negative reinforcement? Well, when we get into that, um, there's lots of different, it's a pretty deep subject and maybe we could even do a a whole series on it as well, but um, there's different ways to increase behavior and there's ways to decrease behavior. Today we are focused mostly on, or I should say only on, what is the desired behavior and how do I strengthen it? And so that's where positive reinforcement comes in. There's a desired behavior, which is then attached to a desired outcome, reinforcement, activity, whatever it might be. And so as we're going through these, I want you to be thinking about what are the behaviors that I want to see more of, or what are the strengths and skills I want to see more of? So you really, as a parent, or even if you're thinking about yourself as you're listening to this, is what do I want as opposed to what do I don't want? And so we're talking about how can we use a reinforcer to get more of what we want? Okay, I think that makes sense. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about the types of reinforcers that that tend to work with kids, or I guess all ages for that matter. Yeah, so as adults, we set these up for ourselves oftentimes. Um, you can think about yourself, okay, I'm gonna go on this vacation. You know, you kind of have it hanging out there and kind of helps you get through um, a tough week because you know you're heading out on Friday or whatever it might be. Um, but 
anyway, so the types of reinforcers, there's lots of different ones. There's the most obvious, which is um, edible. Um, you know, an M&M. You do what you want, you get an M&M, something like that. Or eat all your dinner and you get ice cream. So there's the edible ones. Um, so, sense- is, so is dessert after dinner? Is that like a positive reinforcement? Is that what you mean? Yeah. So if, if, if dessert it depends on whether or not you eat that broccoli, then the ice cream is the reinforcer for eating your broccoli or the reward. So edible, uh, the next one is sensory. So a reinforcer can just be a sensory um, experience. I know for myself, if I've got a lot of reports to write or a lot of notes to do, I'll really push through and get those done so that I can have my uh, one hour, uh, what I like to call meta nap afterwards, where I kind of do a meditation and relax. But it's a sensory experience that's recharging for me. And we'll talk more about those next week too. But um, it's a sensory experience that I set up to reinforce the things that I need to get done. Another one is tangible. So something like putting a marble in a jar in a jar once everything's complete would be a tangible reward. Um, if you get to go to the dollar store and pick out a new toy, that's a tangible reward. You can also use activities to reinforce. Um, that could be any activity of interest. It doesn't even have to cost money. I would say that's the other piece that is sometimes a barrier is we think that rewards have to be expensive or cost uh, money. But sometimes with kids, it's just time together at the park um, or a walk or whatever it might be. So that can be that activity. Um, kind of related to that is social. So social experiences. Let's get all of our homework done and then we can go play with the neighbor kid before dinner, but not until the work's done. So that kind of serves as that reinforcer to get that work done. Um or maybe a play date over the weekend or something like that. And then words. Words are so powerful. Some some kids, all they need is, I'm proud of you, good job, you got it done, way to go. And those really should be um, sprinkled throughout. But uh, for people whose love language is words, if they don't hear those words, then all the other reinforcers just don't have as much um, meaning and power as, I'm proud of you, great job, you're amazing. Now, quick question for you. You'd mentioned love languages. What, what are those, just very quickly, and how does that relate to this? Yeah, so the love languages are the ways that we express and experience love. Um, and there's five that are typically thought of, and there's some great literature out there about this, and I'm sure many of you have looked into this. Um, words is one of them. Time together is another one. Acts of kindness, physical touch, and... Yeah, I'm kind of spacing on the other one right now. Yeah. But I, I we've talked about these before, and it seems to me um, that it, it's kind of, it makes sense that it would be much more rewarding to have something that you really enjoy as the driver or as the the reward after you get done with an activity or after you reach a goal than something hanging over you as a punishment. It's just a very, it's a much lighter feel than a sort of heavier punitive feel. Um, so it makes sense that kids would like that. And I think adults, we forget how much I know in working with adult clients on executive function issues, they often forget, it seems like to set those rewards and those reinforcers afterwards. It's just, you know, you set a goal for the point of achieving the goal, but we sometimes forget to cue up something or to think of something in advance that can help us celebrate achieving it. 
Yeah, I think we definitely forget to do that, um, but it does work. So if you're, you know, training for that 10K and you're trying to collect miles, then put those stickers on the calendar. It's incredibly reinforcing to see how many miles you've run in that sort of visual representation. The other thing is we're also teaching kids skills. So we're, we, don't, we don't want to be around forever to give the reinforcer. So we're trying to help them understand how to set their own lives up so that they can reward themselves later. And they're much more likely to follow in suit of re- reinforcers and rewards than punishing themselves because they didn't work for long enough on something later on. So I think it kind of serves both. Um, so we're bringing this up as an issue because, um, probably in working with kids and parents, maybe it's not intuitive to come up with a positive reward versus a negative sort of punishment. Uh, many of the skills or the times of the day or whatever it may be that relates to executive functioning that we've talked about in previous episodes. So getting ready for school, getting home from school, getting ready for bed. Those are, those are high stress points, not just for the kid, but for the parent too, right? And when we're stressed out, it may be hard to remember to think about those positive rewards versus the, uh, the, the, the negative rewards or the, the punitive rewards or consequences of not doing something. Many of the moments in the day when we're trying to work on executive functioning skills are also the most stress-filled. So we might not always be at our best. Uh, do you have any recommendations for how to identify positive rewards and reinforcers. You know, when do you do that? Um, Probably not in the moment, not in the heat of battle, right? No, and I think this kind of ties into all the things we've been talking about in the previous series. We want to keep it simple, you know, reduce, reduce, reduce. So you don't want to come up with these big, um, large, drawn-out kinds of things because you're just not going to follow through on it. It's just too complicated. Um, So I think keeping it simple and then, planning this all ahead of time. Absolutely. We know we're going to give ourselves and the kids will give us another chance to get it wrong and get to try again. So I think planning ahead. And number three is, again, this is a great place for the child to contribute to the conversation and say, here's what I want. I want to do five marbles if I have five good mornings, and then I want to cash my marbles in for, uh, say, open gym on Friday night at gymnastics, or I want to cash my five marbles in for a bag of lifesavers. So it's different, but they definitely can, um, be part of that. And then they're going for what they want, not what you want them to want. Fantastic. Yeah. I was just going to ask you that if that's something that you bring the child in from the get go and ask for their help in identifying something that's meaningful to them. Again, just remembering that all of this is practice for Um, developing skills that they can use themselves, right? So if you teach them, if we're teaching our children to identify positive reinforcers, then as they get older, they can work to do that themselves when they're setting their own goals. Exactly. And so I want to get into the executive functions that it targets, because I think this kind of helps explain how it's not paying a child to do something that is baseline expectation. So for example, Uh, children with executive function and often ADHD have problems with delayed gratification. That means delaying the reward or delaying what I want while I'm doing what I don't want. I want it now. And so reinforcers can help hold that carrot out there and practice that delayed gratification. It's referred to as the pre-MAC principle. So around here, we call it pre-MAC in it. So what that means is you do what you don't want so you can get what you want. 
that's kind of the simple definition, but that's what we're talking about there. That always makes me think of, is it the marshmallow study? Is that related oh. to the pre-Mac principle? Yeah, if you haven't seen this on YouTube, is to Google the marshmallow studies with the little kids. Uh, they're Oh, it's so adorable. So it's like four-year-olds, and they're given a marshmallow, and they're told if they don't eat it, when the examiner comes back in about five or ten minutes, they can have a second marshmallow. And then, of course, they just film these kids um, <laughs> resisting this delicious marshmallow, and some of the kids lick it. Some of the kids nibble it and put it down, hoping the examiner won't notice the bottom is a bit off. Some don't touch it at all. Some smell it until the examiner gets back. Um, But it's a really great study to look at, and there's a lot of research since then that Harvard has done with those kids about um, who's been more successful and in what areas and all of that based on how they behaved at age four with the marshmallow. So definitely give that a, a look that up and... It's great. It's yeah, really fantastic. Okay, so you talk about delayed gratification. How else does it does this help with uh, kiddos who struggle with executive functioning? So the next thing is self-monitoring. So we've talked about that as being one of the executive functions of how am I doing? How do I know? Where am I at? And when you use reinforcers, particularly if they're chunked down to, you know, maybe there's one reinforcer per morning and then the accumulation of a more long-term. So like I was talking about with marbles, each morning you get a marble then you get five marbles total, then you get to cash those in. So it helps with self-monitoring. How am I doing? It also gives a visual of how you're doing and can allow for some conversations about feedback. We didn't get the marble yesterday, what happened? Um, The second or the third one here is closing the loop. So I guess you could also tie this into the final lap. So a lot of people might have trouble or a lot of kids might have trouble with that final lap, closing the loop, the final step. And this really helps them get all the way to the finish line within the last one that we're talking about here is sustained effort. So sustaining effort and focus and motivation for something that isn't naturally motivating, it sort of ties those together. It's reinforcing to kind of pull it along and make sure it gets done, but it also marks success. So even though we're calling it rewards and reinforcers, in some ways it's also just a marker of where am I at. So let me give you an example. Let's say I'm a kid, I'm getting ready, I do the checklist in the morning. How do I know my checklist is done? What's the, oh, I take a marble out of the jar and stick it in the success jar. So now I've completed the morning routine and I know I have because I marked it with my marble. So now we've got a marker and a reinforcer that I'm going to cash in for my reward at the end of the week. And now I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling confident. I know what I'm doing. The conversations are there. Um, So it all ties together. It's not about paying for something that's baseline expectation. Yeah. And when you think back to those smart goals that we mentioned in a previous episode um, and you want those to be measurable, And if you're chunking, you're measuring how you get there. Dropping a marble or a penny in a jar is kind of, you know, it's that dink, it goes right in there and that says this is done now. So some of the goals or parts of the goal may be tough to measure, they might be less tangible, but once that marble goes in there and you see it in there, it's like, okay, that part is checked off. I've met my goal, I've met this step towards my goal. So that's really helpful, I think, for some of the the goals that might not be as easy to, to, to measure or you could lose track of 
your progress quickly and easily. Well, and interestingly, the marble is something I've used with adult clients as well who are working on side projects that don't necessarily have a measurable component, such as like quantitatively, this is when I know I'm done. It's sort of an ongoing, maybe it's a side business or something like that. So one of the things I'll do is use that timer technique that we talked about where you time it, I'm going to work on it for 25 minutes. And then I got to move on with the other things I've got to get done. But being able to take a marble and put it in a jar every time I work for 25 minutes on my side business. And then at the end of the month, I can look at that and think, whoa, that's a lot of time that I have put into this side business. And I can visually see it and I can feel good about it, fill my jar up, and then I'm going to go out to dinner with my friends. That's all great information. Let's just briefly recap. We've been talking about the importance of rewards and reinforcers in helping kids develop executive functioning skills. And we said this, this may be one of the steps most often forgotten in the EF skill building process. So you talked about what is the desired behavior and how does the parent use a reward to motivate and strengthen that behavior in their child? So rewards versus punishments. You also talked about how rewards and reinforcers are valuable for teaching skills with EF deficits because it helps them with delayed gratification. You mentioned the pre-MAC principle. It helps with self-monitoring. So kids can ask, how am I doing or where am I at with this? And you mentioned using marbles and dropping those into a jar so that they can see their progress. You also talked about how this helps with closing the loop, supporting sustained effort or the final lap. And it kind of pulls the student along to task completion and serves as both a marker and a reinforcer. You mentioned how you can bring the child into the process, have them help you identify the reward. Think about something that might be edible, sensory, tangible, maybe an activity they enjoy, or a social activity. And then you also mentioned the value of words and just uh, sifting those into whatever other rewards you use. Some kids just want to hear, I'm proud of you, great job. Is that everything? Yeah, I think that um, kind of sums it up. So I think a good challenge would be to go um, talk with your kids and come up with some reinforcers, maybe brainstorm a list of reinforcers that might work for them. And I'd be curious to see what they say. And um, you might learn a little bit about what their love language is by what they identify as being the things that they want to be their reward um, for, say, five good mornings. Then what do they want? And they might surprise you. Yeah. And check out that marshmallow study, too. That's great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. That is it for us today. As always, you can find more information as well as resources on our website, individualmatters.org. And we hope you'll join us for the next segment, Recharge and Review, where we'll continue to take a positive and solution-focused look at potential EF problems and strategies for skill building.